Section One of The Prince and Betty by P. G. Woodhouse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter One The Cable from Mervo. A pretty girl, in a blue dress, came out of the house, and began to walk slowly across the terrace, where Elsa Keith sat with Marvin Rossiter in the shade of the big sycamore. Elsa and Marvin had become engaged some few days before, and were generally to be found at this time sitting together in some shaded spot in the grounds of the Keith's Long Island home. "'What's troubling Betty, I wonder?' said Elsa she looks worried marvin turned his head is that your friend miss silver that's betty we were at college together i want you to like betty then i will when did she arrive last night she's here for a month what's the matter betty this is marvin i want you to like marvin betty silver smiled her face in repose was rather wistful but it lighted up when she smiled, and an unsuspected dimple came into being on her chin. "'Of course I shall,' she said. Her big grey eyes seemed to search Marvin's for an instant, and Marvin had, almost subconsciously, a comfortable feeling that he had been tested and found worthy. "'What were you scowling at so ferociously, Betty?' asked Elsa. "'Was I scowling? I hope you didn't think it was at you. Oh, Elsa, I'm miserable!' I shall have to leave this heavenly place. Betty! At once! And I was meaning to have the most lovely time. See what has come. She held out some flimsy sheets of paper. A cable, said Elsa. Great Scott, it looks like the scenario of a four-act play, said Marvin. That's not all one cable, surely. Whoever sent it must be a millionaire. He is. It's from my stepfather. Read it out, Elsa. I want Mr. Rossiter to hear it. He may be able to tell me where Mervo is. Did you ever hear of Mervo, Mr. Rossiter? Never. What is it? It's a place where my stepfather is, and where I've got to go. I do call it hard. Go on, Elsa. Elsa, who had been skimming the document with raised eyebrows, now read it out in its spacious entirety. On receipt of this, come instantly, Mervo, without moment delay, vital importance, presence urgently required, come wherever you are, cancel engagements, urgent necessity, hustle, have advised bank allow you draw any money you need, expenses, have booked stateroom Mauritania, sailing Wednesday, don't fail catch, arrive fish guard Monday, train London, sleep London, catch first train Tuesday, Dover, now mind first train, no taking route in London, and spending a week shopping, midday boat Dover, Calais, arrive Paris Tuesday evening, dine Paris, catch train deluxe, 9.15, Tuesday night for Marseille, have engaged sleeping coach, now mind Tuesday night, no cutting loose around Paris stores, you can do all that later on, just now you want to get here right quick, Arrive Marseille Wednesday morning boat Mervo Wednesday night will meet you Mervo now do you follow all that because if not cable at once and say which part of journey you don't understand now mind special points to be remembered firstly come instantly secondly no cutting loose around London Paris stores see 
period. Scoble. Well, said Elsa, breathless. By George, said Marvin, he certainly seems to want you badly enough. He hasn't spared expense. He has put in about everything you could put into a cable. Except why he wants me, said Betty. Yes, said Elsa. Why does he want you? And in such a desperate hurry, too. Marvin was re-reading the message. It isn't a mere invitation, he said. There's no come right along. You'll like this place. It's fine about it. He seems to look on your company more as a necessity than a luxury. It's a sort of imperious CQD. That's what makes it so strange. We have hardly met for years. Why, he didn't even know where I was. The cable was sent to the bank and forwarded on. And I don't know where he is. Which brings us back, said Marvin, to mysterious Mervo. Let us reason inductively. If you get to the place by taking a boat from Marseilles, it can't be far from the French coast. I should say, at a venture, that Mervo is an island in the Mediterranean, and a small island, for if it had been a big one, we should have heard of it. Marvin, cried Elsa, her face beaming with the proud affection, how clever you are! A mere gift, he said modestly. I have been like that from a boy. He got up from his chair. Isn't there an encyclopedia in the library, Elsa? Yes, but it's an old edition. It will probably touch on Mervo. I'll go and fetch it. As he crossed the terrace, Elsa turned quickly to Betty. Well, she said. Betty smiled at her. He's a dear. Are you very happy, Elsa? Elsa's eyes danced. She drew in her breath softly. Betty looked at her in silence for a moment. The wistful expression was back on her face. "'Elsa,' she said suddenly, "'what is it like? How does it feel knowing that there's someone who is fonder of you than anything?' Elsa closed her eyes. "'It's like eating berries and cream in a new dress by moonlight on a summer night, while somebody plays the violin far away in the distance, so that you can just hear it,' she said. Her eyes opened again. And it's like coming along on a winter evening and seeing the windows lit up and knowing you've reached home. Betty was clenching her hands and breathing quickly. And it's like... Elsa, don't. I can't bear it. Betty, what's the matter? Betty smiled again, but painfully. It's stupid of me. I'm just jealous, that's all. I haven't got a Marvin, you see. You have. Well, there are plenty who would like to be your Marvin. Betty's face grew cold. "'There are plenty who would like to be Benjamin Scoble's son-in-law,' she said. "'Betty!' Elsa's voice was serious. "'We've been friends for a good long time, so you'll let me say something, won't you? I think you're getting just the least bit hard. Now turn and rend me,' she added good-humouredly. "'I'm not going to rend you,' said Betty. "'You're perfectly right. I am getting hard. How can I help it? Do you know how many men have asked me to marry them since I saw you last? Five. Betty! And not one of them cared the slightest bit about me. But, Betty, dear, that's just what I mean. Why should you say that? How can you know? How do I know? Well, I do know. Instinct, I suppose. The instinct of self-preservation which nature gives hunted animals. And I can't think of a single man in the world, except your Marvin, of course, who wouldn't do anything for money. She stopped. Well, yes, one. Elsa leaned forward eagerly. Who, Betty? You don't know him. But what's his name? 
Betty hesitated. "'Well, if I am on the witness-stand, Maud.' "'Maud? I thought you said a man.' "'It's his name. John Maud.' "'But, Betty, why didn't you tell me before? This is tremendously interesting.' Betty laughed shortly. "'Huh! Not so very, really. I only met him two or three times, and I haven't seen him for years, and I don't suppose I shall ever see him again. He was a friend of Alice Beecher's brother who was at Harvard. Alice took me over to meet her brother, and Mr. Maud was there. That's all.' Elsa was plainly disappointed. "'But how do you know, then? What makes you think that he—' "'Instinct again, I suppose. I do know.' "'And you've never met him since?' Betty shook her head. Elsa relapsed into silence. She had a sense of pathos. At the farther end of the terrace, Marvin Rossiter appeared, carrying a large volume. "'Here we are,' he said. "'Scared it up at the first attempt. Now, then.' He sat down and opened the book. "'You don't want to hear all about how Jason went there in search of the Golden Fleece, and how Ulysses is supposed to have taken it in on his round trip. You want something more modern. Well, it's an island in the Mediterranean, as I said, and I'm surprised that you've never heard of it, Elsa, because it's celebrated in its way. It's the smallest independent state in the world. Smaller than Monaco, even. Here are some facts. Its population, when this encyclopedia was printed—there may be more now—was eleven thousand and sixteen. It was ruled over up to 1886 by a prince. But in that year the populace appear to have said to themselves— when in the course of human events anyway they fired the prince and the place is now a republic so that's where you're going miss silver i don't know if it's any consolation to you but the island according to this gentleman is celebrated for the unspoilt beauty of its scenery he also gives a list of the fish that can be caught there takes up about three lines what can my stepfather be doing there i last heard of him in london well i suppose i shall have to go "'I suppose you will,' said Elsa mournfully. "'But, oh, Betty, what a shame!' End of chapter 1 of The Prince and Betty by P. G. Woodhouse Read by Don W. Jenkins Rancho San Diego, California Shaggybark.blogspot.com